going to punch you in the face. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you, Barry White. Uh, oh, Can't get enough for your little babe. <laughs> I am recording this just so you guys know, so... Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best of Fives. On today's show, we'll be talking about the top five albums from high school. And I think this episode is going to be kind of fun because I have my immediate family with me. I'm kind of uh, getting myself into the, well, I guess what has become the Neozaz tradition of having a generational discussion about something. Um, my name is Lou, and I will say that I finished high school in 2004. I'm joined by my younger sister, Lauren. Hello, I finished high school in 2005. And my mom, Terry. Hi, um, I finished school way back when, in 1978. And my dad, Lou. How you doing? And I'm the oldest of the bunch. I finished back in 1974. Nice. So yeah, we have a lot of years to cover on this show, and I am going to kick us off and get started so that everyone else has an idea of how to do this. Also, I should say that it is my parents' first podcast. So thanks for doing this with us. I've been doing podcasting for a couple of years, and it's nice to have you guys finally do it. Lauren has done one show with me like two years ago on dial-up movies, and uh, it's nice to have you back as well. So I'm going to get us started with my top, well, my number five album. Uh, this album came out in 1998, so it was before I was in high school, and I couldn't really, in like any good faith, not include this band on my list because they were so important to me for so long. But that would be Corn, Follow the Leader. Um, and yeah, I didn't really listen to Corn that much in high school, to be honest. Um, I kind of stopped as a freshman in high school, but I know that they were like super important to me for a really long time. And mom, you took me to my first two concerts, which were both Corn. Yes. And um, I went to one of those concerts yeah. too. Uh, that was my first concert, actually. So Thank it was, you, mom. It was for this tour. And. I, what do you? I mean, what do you remember about that show? Believe it or not, what I remember is uh, their opener was Sting, and I think I liked them better than I liked Corn, but I could tolerate Corn, so it was pretty cool. Um, Dad, did you ever listen to Corn? No, that wasn't my kind of music. <laughs> so we've had a lot of discussions over the years about music, and we've kind of had a, especially since like middle school, gone back and forth for a long time about like my music and your music and what did you always call them my music we call them the happy song <laughs> happy music and how did you always refer to mine headbanging stuff just <laughs> screaming you know i just didn't didn't work for me so you have to understand i also came from a family of when i was a kid growing up we had like two radios in the house. I mean, there weren't there wasn't that much media available, so we had two radios. And my mom was an old time crooner type person. There was a station back in the day, WIP six ten had all they played was Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Andy Williams, Barbara Streisand. So that's what I had to listen to all day long. And I actually didn't get my first uh, record player or stereo, as you want to call it. Till about 1972 so you know music was what i was allowed to listen to in the house so i guess that's a good point because like i i know i'm sure my entire generation takes for granted the availability of music because lauren and i grew up in the age of napster like i don't remember what year it came out it might have been like 97 or 8 
But don't forget that we also started with cassette tapes, and then we moved to CDs, and then we got the internet, and then we got things like Napster. Yeah, so, you know, we used to... We, we talked about this. I mean, we've been trying to do this podcast for like two months, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked about it a while ago, the idea that like, mom, you were like, I don't really know. Like, I didn't listen to a lot. And, and I just remember like being a kid and walking a mile down the road to like CD warehouse and buying CDs all the time. And then like Lawrence of the internet came around. So I was exposed to a lot more music. Uh, I, I or at least maybe not exposed to, but I had m- more available to me. You all did. Your whole generation did. We had vinyl. You had to save your money to buy one. So when you had it, you wore it out. You only had one and 45s, you know, to give you the song at a time. Uh, you had much more available to you than we did. Not to mention to, to learn about the groups and the, and the songs. I mean, we had a, a, a record album that may have had a little bit of information on it, but we didn't have the social media that you have to get information on the bands. And, mm-hmm. You know, we had to really... Either know somebody who could tell you about your favorite band or there's, you go to a library and look it up. Uh, but no, you're right. Um, and as with Korn, they were a favorite band of mine for a very long time. And uh, I remember being obsessed with them as a kid. And I guess it's what you do when you're a teenager, when you're like in middle school and early high school. You you try to find out as much about artists as you possibly can. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's my number five. And I think what we're going to do is I'm going to go around the table. So mom, why don't you go next? Okay. And tell us about your number number five. My number five is, um, yeah, it was hard for me to, to classify them, but I loved Crosby, Stills, Nash, and uh, they had a lot of albums. Uh, they originally were Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I liked that too, but in this particular time frame, uh, they had a song called Just, uh, Just a Song Before I Go, and... Um, I just love their music. Uh, they did a lot of harmonizing. It was very appealing to me. And that's probably why they were one of my favorites. I, you know, they're one of the more famous bands from this era, but I never really listened to them, other than listening to them around the house with you guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is just one of what will probably be many instances of me just, like, not really getting a band. Mm-hmm. And it's just an era before my time. Well... One of the things that probably turns you off about it is the fact that you can actually understand what they're saying. <laughs> hey, to be fair, most of the bands on my list have singing singers but instead it, of is screaming. It understandable singing. I think so. Okay. Uh, I, I actually like to hear what they're singing about. Oh, well, I actually remember on multiple occasions, like being like a four, maybe not fourteen because I was driving, but like seventeen, and be like, "Mom, no! Like you have to listen. Like it's really like." important and cool and you kind of just be like i don't want to i don't want to listen to yeah. this this is dumb well half the time she couldn't understand what they were saying that's, what that's I mean. yeah. yeah well yeah. there's that um i don't know i always had an appreciation for bands like this and i think it's because we listened to them with you and dad a lot mm-hmm. um but i also really enjoy like acoustics and stuff like that as well because i played guitar myself and it was just something i enjoyed so i always liked this band too yeah, they were good. They were they were around for a long time. They spoke to a lot of social issues. They, uh, some of it was romantic, but um, they were good writers individually, and and they encompassed a lot of uh, my listening time. Nice. They were pretty good. So, Lauren, why don't you tell us your number five? Okay, so my number five band or album rather is Transatlanticism from Death Cab for Cutie. 
Who? <laughs> uh, so, um, I asked, I have to give a nod to my high school guitar teacher, Dion Pacey. He got me into this band, Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, the first album that he turned me on to was Transatlanticism, which came out in 2003. Um, I became a huge fan of them. Uh, New Year, We Look Like Giants, and I Will Follow You Into the Dark are just a few of their noteworthy love ballads that like were just really amazing. They really kind of spoke to like our generation and stuff like that, like the the internal like little girl just wanting a boy to write a love song about her. It was perfect. Um, so... This is definitely one of the most influential bands that I could think of from high school. Um, I really love the lead singer, Ben Gibbard. He's charismatic, he just has a way of articulating what we're all feeling but can't express. He plays with his emotions and experiences, particularly as they pertain to romantic relationships or friendly bedroom escapes, and then he puts an eloquent and educated spin on like the deeper perspective from the human mind and heart. So, And it's all to kind of like classy tunes and alternative rock and acoustics and stuff. I love that you have prepared words for this. I do. <laughs> I still can't say the name of the band. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've, uh, they're, they still tour, right? They're still... Yeah. Yeah, they they were fairly popular for a long time. I think they even, and you guys might not know this, Mom and Dad, but they, I think they even got to the point of, like, uh, having, like, their music on car commercials. Oh, really? I think. I think... So. Maybe uh, not car, but, like... No, no, you're thinking of the Postal Service, which was the experiment band from Ben Gibbard. That's who you're thinking of. But same artist. Okay, so uh, if, do you have anything else to add? Okay. Uh, so, Dad, what about you? Uh, you're number five. Okay, I um, one kind of general, but uh, let me give you a little background. I, I had an older brother growing up who was four years older than me, and he was very much into music. But, of, but of course, he always locked his bedroom door, so I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get in and get to his, his albums. But he was the first one who... Uh, uh, brought the Beatles to me. So the Beatles, uh, I'll start with them as my number five because basically I missed all the 60s of the Beatles. I was a little young, all the specific albums. But in 1973, I purchased the two big general Beatles albums, the uh, 1962 to 66 Red Album and the 66 to 70 Blue Album. And I listened to them days and days and days on at a time because the, the words, I mean, their music was pretty basic. You know, a couple of guitars and a drum, but their words were incredible. The, the stories they told, the, the 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 meaning behind all of their songs, and it, it was just a great introduction to me of music and what music, you know, really means. And these guys, these four guys from Liverpool, England, were just such a—they were just such pioneers to me. I mean, I'm sure there were people before them, the Elvises and and whatnot, but the Beatles were the group that really introduced me to music. So it makes sense because they were. I mean, it's any anything to say. You say like, oh, the Beatles were huge is like an understatement, no matter what you say. But um, you know, we obviously, Lauren and I grew up in an era much beyond their mm -hmm. big fame. I mean, they're legends, obviously, but uh, I didn't really get into the Beatles that much until I was probably in college and it was really just because I had like a N album which you guys may have gotten me for a birthday or Christmas uh, the one album mm -hmm. do you remember it was called yeah, one it came out in like I don't know 
I don't remember. It was, I think it was red. It was like reddish orange. At least the one that I had. Um, and it was like a greatest hits album. So it was like, you know, maybe like a two disc thing. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until like maybe 2004 or five that I really listened to the Beatles, to be honest. So. So my experience was definitely different. I don't know which parent got me into Yellow Submarine. <laughs> Probably um, dead. But one yeah. of them showed me the movie, the cartoon movie, Yellow yeah. Submarine. Oh. And I fell in love with that album. And I remember I even had like a tin lunchbox. You still and have I, it. Still oh, have it. there we go. It's still here. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I probably had a few t-shirts or something brightly colored at some point. Um, so I actually remember listening to the Beatles a lot more. I was also really into like their album Hard Day's Night. Mm-hmm. I, I liked their old stuff. I remember having an Alvin and the Chipmunks cassette tape that was all covers of Hard Day's Night. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like so I just remember having exposure to the, just the Beatles and their music whether it was through Yellow Submarine or Alvin and the Chipmunks, but I just remember hearing it a lot growing up. Right. And I just I adore them. They are legends. Um, even if their music doesn't like speak to you personally, you have to have a respect and appreciation for what it was for the times. Yeah. All I can say, and to, to close this out, is to me, they are and always will be the greatest band of all time. Okay. I, get, I can't. I mean, I can't really argue that. So, for now, I'll argue other things <laughs> later. <laughs> um. So I guess I'll go into my number four. This is another band that you guys probably don't know. If you've heard of them, it would only be in passing when I was in high school or something like that. But this album is called Worship and Tribute by a band called Glassjaw. And I don't... Laura, did you ever listen to them? Oh, yeah. I was definitely into Glassjaw. Okay. I I know you guys weren't into them at all. Never heard of them. No. I don't recall this one. (laughs) (laughs) They were one of the bands, and a lot of the bands on my list were... Uh, they were definitely within this era, but they kind of changed how I thought about playing music, which was pretty huge for me at the time because I wasn't a band in high school. And they were just one of those groups that changed how I thought about drumming, how I thought about composing music. And uh, yeah, they were just super influential to me personally. And they're still a... I mean, most of the bands on this list are still top 10, top 20 favorite bands ever. So... Um, so I mean, you can hear it, right? How do you? Yeah. What do you? What do you think, Mom? I'm trying to remember um, hearing it, but you know, it's coming to mind at this point is, along with everything else, you guys had headphones, so you could <laughs> listen to this music, and I didn't have to. <laughs> so uh, my exposure to what a lot of what you listened to was limited as well. Um, I kind of remember it. I can't even remember you playing. Uh, to a lot of it because that's what you would do you would put your music on put your headphones on and then go bang on the drums yeah sorry about that so i got the <laughs> so i kind of got the <laughs> drumming of it but not 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 the full effect of the, of the music but i do remember that that was you know your go-to that's what that's what you liked you know it's funny i you know any parent and any child have these conversations of oh if you do you know you'll be sorry when your child does this when you're older or whatever you know, I wouldn't consider myself an old person necessarily, but I do get fairly annoyed when the dude down the street plays drums in the middle uh, of the day. <laughs> and it's not like bad. It's just like, I don't want to hear this right now. And I was just like, man, that sucks that like my parents and my dad in particular who works overnights would come home at like 2 p.m. From- yes, screw the little sister. She didn't count. No, <laughs> you don't. He would come home at like 2 p.m. and I'd want to play drums and he would give me time. Mm-hmm. 
and he's just like, all I want to do is go to sleep, so I work my ass off at work every day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Just remember, as a parent, uh, you being home was important to me and not out on the street getting in trouble. So play on, son. Oh, well, they're packed away under the stairs at my house, but other than that, uh, thanks. And we got some in our garage, too. Don't worry. Um, so, Mom, what do you uh, have for your number four? I think my number four actually came... Um, came about because of movies um i was the in the era of disco and uh, a far Ooh, departure wow. <laughs> uh, a far departure from crosby stills was the tramps uh, they did a lot of um music for the clubs uh the disco scene and they were featured in um saturday night fever and I, it was dance music. I, we, I grew up in South Philadelphia, so um, everything revolved around music and dancing. And uh, they were just the the highlight. Weren't they from Philadelphia, Lou? Tramps. Yeah. Tramps. They're from Philly. So uh, they got a lot of play. Um, the Piccadilly. The, yeah, the Piccadilly, the club. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they, they were good. And, and I loved I loved their, their dance music. That's really the only thing I have to say about them. Um I don't know any of the players. I don't know them. I, I didn't do any investigation as to who they are or where they are now. But at that time and place, um, they were it. They were the they were the go to band. I have often thought about where I would stand in that era. Like if I were born, if I were your age, and if I were born in that era, like what where my personality would fit in in like the 70s mm-hmm. i don't think i'd be into disco i feel like i'd be like you would have been like a protester somewhere i would probably. have been like a like a led zeppelin dude probably yeah. more than anything else and i like led zeppelin I like black sabbath and they were big at the time and they were like the the polar opposites of like this disco era mm-hmm. well exactly when uh, when we were actually you know getting ready for this podcast we uh we reviewed you know because it's a long time ago and um Looking at some of the bands, and I was like, nah, I wasn't into that one. Nah, didn't really get into Led Zeppelin. Didn't like Pink Floyd. Didn't didn't do any of that stuff. They were great bands, and I appreciated them as I got older in, in a different time. But at that stage of my life, that wasn't important. What I went to was, again, what was on the radio, what was being fed to us on a daily basis. And that's what you, that's what you gravitate to. Yeah. Nice. That's all, all I got. <laughs> Lauren, what do you have for number four? Uh, so my number four album actually came out in 1994, but I didn't really get into this band until high school, and that's the Cranberries. Oh, I like them too. With their album, No Need to Argue. Uh, the album came out in 1994, so I was actually seven when it came out. Um, but I remember buying it when I was in high school, I think from CD World around the corner again. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being really in love with the lead singer Dolores uh, and her voice she's Irish and she just has a very unique sound about her but I also really appreciated just the music in general from them Um, their tunes aren't as hard as the particular one that's playing right now which is one of their most famous songs Zombie Um, a lot of their stuff's a little bit more lyrical and the music's a little lighter and acoustic but they're just a really beautiful band and they just really produce nice music and their songs and their lyrics are all very beautiful so i developed my appreciation for them though in high school and in particular with this album so we have the beatles and we have the cranberries that is like across the board appreciated right they're the only ones so far so far okay yeah. i don't think you'll like any of my 
I mean, this song was popular. This song played on the radio and stuff. That's probably why mom and dad know it. Yeah. Um, well, but the band in its entirety, they're really awesome. Just remember one thing about the radio. Let me let me touch on the radio, if you don't mind. <laughs> when mom and I were growing up, we had AM band and an FM band. And especially when I was growing up and I was real young, the FM band was like outer space. Nobody listened to that. It was it was different. So we had AM, and we had two rock stations or two pop stations in the Philadelphia area, WFAL and WIVG. Mm-hmm. So we were they they played whatever genre of music you know was out there. That's it. We listened to those two stations. And another one, we my had mom, like a, like a top twenty, and they just played right. it to they death. They just played it over <laughs> and over. And like my mom listened to the WIP, the old you know the old crooners. But you know, you guys when you were in school. And you had there, there's I mean obviously the bands of the FM dial expanded. There were so many stations, and and each station had its own specific genre. So I mean the Cranberries are a great band. I, I like them myself. I like their music. But I mean you could you could just I could if I didn't want to hear the Cranberries I can just turn on something else like you know X to you listen to country or whatever. I just right. as an example. So but we didn't have that kind of choices back then. So very true. Yeah. Uh, so, Dad, what do you got for, for your number four? Oh, my number four is the uh, the band America. Um, I'll tell you a little bit why I like America. Um, we, uh, when I was growing up, I was an athlete. I played ball 24-7. One, I went from one season to the next. So I didn't really get a chance to get into... I wasn't one of those long-haired weed smoking you know hippies as we called them back in the day that listened to the hard rock I mean hard rock was out there Lou mentioned Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd there there were bands in my era they were good bands I just did not like that kind of music just being an athlete like when I would be done playing I'd come home I, I was into just settling down you know I, I like the easy listen to music America was a great band they great soft music good lyrics you know good stories yeah, I just couldn't get into the coming home from playing a, a basketball game and having someone, you know, screaming about biting a bat's head off or some <laughs> crap. So, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, Lewis always teased me about my easy listen and my happy music. Well, I just liked easy listening music. I did. It was it's something I can relax to after playing a game or something. So. You know, it's funny. And I still listen to some hardcore. I listen to a lot of metal. Um, but predominantly, I listen to more chill stuff, so I get it. Uh, I didn't get it when I was like 14, 16, um, but uh, I, I get it, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. America was a good band. They had good harmony. Yeah. They had great harmony. Just all acoustics. Yeah. Well, we saw them in concert, concert. at Cooper River Cooper Park. River, yeah. yeah. When like, I, I didn't see them. So no, you didn't go with the us. Three of us. Fourth of July was a... Uh, yeah. Fourth of July concert. You were concert. probably working. Was this in high school? Like, when was it? I don't know, but Dad uh, stole root beer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 15... Hold on, let's see. Maybe 15 or 18 yeah. years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you were either probably working or out with friends or yeah. whatever, but it was a yeah. being cool. It, probably not being cool. I can almost guarantee out with that. Us to see America. Yeah, I don't they were they were doing a free concert at Cooper River Park and we went it's down. Fun. There. It was yeah. mobbed. Yeah, it was mobbed. Yeah, it was good. Good show. All right, so I will go into my number three. And uh this is an album that I still probably hold in my top five albums of all time. Um 
I don't listen to it as much as I used to, but I definitely um, could never uh, not love this record. And it's uh, something to write home about from the Get Up Kids. Um, I don't know if you remember that name at all. I know Lauren does, but I don't know if you I, guys do. I remember the name. Um, so this record came out in 1999. It was right before I was in high school. And they... I don't know how to describe why I love this album so much, but it's one of those that, like... And I guess I've never been the kind of person who, like, listens to just, like, a song or two. I had to listen to, like, the full album all the way through. And uh, this is one of those that I couldn't turn off. And um, I know you like them, right? Yeah, th- this album was pretty much, like, emo high school. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? They were definitely a really big influence of that scene at the time. So... I, I love the Get Up Kids. Like, they are definitely very reminiscent of high school for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> By saying they were, like, super emo of the era, you're going to see some trends as I <laughs> count down my last three. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> um, yeah, it just... Uh, this was... I still listen to, like, heavier music, and, and I still do to this day, as I've said, but this was probably the start of me really getting into... Uh, I don't want to call it softer because it's not really what you guys would consider softer, but um, not as angry music. How about that? Well, why why is it emo? What is explain that to uh, me? I <laughs> yeah, Lou, explain I, that to us. So, I mean, as you guys know, any well, maybe maybe you don't. So, as the, it was a genre of music that literally became popular when Lewis and I were in high school. It like. It developed and became really big in like the very early 2000s. That's emo. So, but they, they're looking for an explanation of the name. Well, uh, yeah. okay. What is emo? So let me. Okay, let me try to break this down a little bit. So one thing that I think kind of music suffers from these days is um, an overzealous breakdown of genres. Mm-hmm. Like there, there has to be. Like I feel like when you guys like in the 70s, it was like we had disco and dance and rock and like that was kind of like it mm-hmm. now it's like you have to like like you have to like talk about things like oh it's like post-hardcore because it can't just be hardcore it has to be post-hardcore and you know the get up kids came out of post-hardcore and it's just like one of those like the, the, uh, a band has a sound and then somebody changes that sound slightly and somebody changes that sound slightly and so they have to relabel it with each successful or successive genre so mm-hmm. Emo, and anyone listening to this who is an elitist about music might correct me, but that's fine. Um, So there was, like, 80s hardcore. And then from that came, like, this post-hardcore, which was these, like, guys who used to scream in bands, but now they sing in bands, but they're still angry. And then that (laughs) became something that was slightly more emotional. Still angry. So instead of being, like, I hate the government, uh, it became, I miss this girl. And so people called it emo for... Emotional. emotional so if you guys remember the band that i was in in high school um coincidentally the song i just played was called holiday my band was called holiday, holiday. that wasn't necessarily planned um <laughs> we were considered screamo was a genre that we were kind of involved in yeah and <laughs> and that was the same kind of path from like hardcore to emo but then we screamed about the girl we missed the girl we missed yeah, so that's go. a silly breakdown of it but that's kind of why they call it emo it's it's dumb but it's the way i think it's the best explanation for it yeah i mean definitely go off of that whole emotional thing because that was really indicative of an emo song was like how corny and pathetic the dude sounded singing about the chick and it was great and it was awesome we loved it well (laughs) 
Did you have anything more to add? No, to that? that's because kind of that's it. a fantastic lead into my number Perfect. three. Perfect. Let's do it. Go. My number three uh, from back in the day uh, was uh, a singer by the name of Janice Ian. Janice Ian was, uh, I guess, considered sort of folky at the time, yeah. but for me, uh, she w- she had an album called Between the Lines, and one of her songs was called At Seventeen, which for me at that time was the emotional uh, turmoil of every 17, 18, 16-year-old out there. You know, you're, you're, you're complicated, your life is complicated, your insecurities, your not feeling loved all those things you're talking about the guys screaming about she sang it in a in a very uh, acoustical um, melancholy uh, almost sad kind of way and you can everybody can relate to a period in their time when that you welcome that you welcome hearing it from somebody else she was um, she was unbelievable and I a a friend of mine her older sister exposed me to her I didn't know it at the time but um, she's gay so a lot of what she sang about you think back then it wasn't you couldn't talk about wasn't that accepted, it wasn't yeah. accepted it wasn't it wasn't out and open so um, you're thinking she's talking about a guy and she might not have been and there were many people who she opened the door for um, and she had a lot of great songs. She did a lot of duets with a lot of people too, and uh, she did all her own writing. And uh, she she did a lot with Phoebe Snow, and she she just she, she just was a great a great performer, a great writer, um, and I loved her music. So that was a good lead in. Thanks. Of course, I'm glad to have emo <laughs> lead into the folk. Well, see, emo really wasn't new. It was just no, like it's re- never new. Recycled. I mean, there's the whole, like, uh, the classic um, idea that there are only, like, seven stories to tell. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's kind of like the same idea where, like, everything has a central theme. It's just how you tell it. And and every generation kind of takes their ownership over, you know, whatever it is they have to say. But, like, ultimately, most music is emotional. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I, I mentioned, like, the whole emo description versus, like, its roots or whatever in hardcore. But, like... That's all emotion as well, and most of music is emotion. So, sure. Um, but uh, unless, of course, if it's Weird Al Yankovic. Listen, I, I uh, listen. Uh, he's not on my he gets list. Very emotional about being <laughs> fat. <laughs> I said this last, two years ago when I saw him. I saw Weird Al two years ago, yeah. and it's the greatest show I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I will, and I would love to see him again. Yeah, it's good. You never saw Rodney Dangerfield. I never saw Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I don't know. Weird Al would be Went pretty to good. Fours them. Yeah. Yeah. Go so, ahead. all right, what do you got for your number three? So, my number three album actually came out in 1999, uh, and the band had been around for a while, but this particular album was very popular on the radio, and again, it really just kind of spoke to me. And that was Incubus's "Make Yourself." Yeah. Oh, I got another head nod from mom. <laughs> yes. Your list is more in line with them than mine. I think. I don't know. Me too. Um, okay, I didn't see what your reaction was. Uh, Not a Nicky Bus fan? I, I knew the name of the band, I just don't know their music. So, this particular album had a lot of popular songs on the radio, and I remember it coming out like right as I was going into high school. And what I really loved about this band is that even, or this album rather, is that even though I had known Incubus, they were always much harder than this album. Like, their songs were just a lot harder. 
And this album played with a lot of different genres of music. Like, they had some uh, acoustic songs like um, Pardon Me. And, and Stellar, right? And Stellar. And then they had other kind of cool songs like Battlestar, Scratchalash. I don't even know how to say that thing. Um, and then they had other popular ones like this one um, and uh, Make Yourself, like the name, uh, the album, the song from the album. So I just always really had a great appreciation, and this was a huge album that I played a lot in high school. Yeah, you mentioned like they changed their sound a bit. Like their album preceding this was Science, and that was my favorite album of theirs. And they definitely were a little bit, I don't want to say heavier, but um, different sound. And they did they did evolve a lot over the course of their career. I mean, they're still around, right? And they're still around. They're still putting out. I know Brandon Boyd, who's so sexy. He's like my absolute <laughs> rocker crush ever. <laughs> Um, he uh, puts out solo albums as well. He does like his own thing, and he does art, and he does all kinds of stuff. He's just a very interesting person, and he talked about a lot of the same themes as, like Lewis said, like a lot of those seven themes. But the way that they did it in Incubus is just a lot different. So I have a funny story about Incubus, and uh, I don't know if you guys even—I don't know if I even ever told you the story or if you remember the story, but. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember my ex-girlfriend, Erin. I know you guys liked mm-hmm. her a lot. Uh, we talk occasionally. Uh, but her favorite band was Incubus. And we saw them when we were in college. And <laughs> we saw them at the Electric Factory, which has strange, you know, point of view to the stage at times. And she was annoyed that she couldn't see. So she went to the bar and told the bartender she was pregnant and needed to sit in like the handicap area because nice. she was getting pushed Move. around. So we sat in these like tall stools and saw over the entire crowd to see a good a good view of the stage. That's why we liked Erin. She was very resourceful. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, smart girl. She knew how to get get what she needed. She uh, it was one of those things where like we she walked over and was just like she's like wait here I'll be right back. And she, I saw her talking to the dude, and she came back. She just don't say anything, and we just, I just followed her. <laughs> and she, and she told me once we sat down that she had said it. And we were sitting next to like uh, a man and a woman. I don't think they were together, but they both had broken legs. And then a woman who was like eight months pregnant. And it was like oh, she just like wow. legitimately has to be here. And we just didn't want to like look at the back of people's heads. So uh, anyway, that was my story about Incubus. But uh, yeah, it's a good record. So I, I did like this record a lot, and uh, I'd listened to it a lot in high school, but probably not nearly as much as you. Yeah, you definitely had your favorites, Lark. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember I, I rem- this one? Yeah. I remember that one, yeah. too. Do they? <laughs> yeah, I do. So clearly the headphones didn't work all the time. <laughs> yes, c- clearly. Uh, Dad, what do you got for your number three? Okay, my number three is pretty simple. It's the actually the first album that I ever bought. It was an album called Golden Biscuit by a group called Three Dog Night. Now, Three Dog Night was a real interesting group. They had two, basically... Two main lead singers, Chuck Negron and, and Corey Wells, and they, they just they were very diversified. They were they were considered a rock band for the era, but not hard rock. But uh, they just had such an they had a nice sound, and 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 their songs were also different. You could just sit there and listen, and, and just and I I enjoy this album immensely. I played it probably hundreds of times as as a kid. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever heard of this band. You have yes, an appre- you have. You have an appreciation, though, of vocals. 
love you vocals. love vocals. Yeah. That's because I used to be in a choir as right. a kid. I was and, a singer. And you do have an appreciation <laughs> yeah. for... <laughs> Sorry, I don't Lauren, even overwrite you, but she's... Lauren's dancing right yeah, now. Yeah, she's <laughs> dancing and singing across from me right now. Well, Lauren's born again, I think. She, yeah. uh, so I she, love Three Dog Night. I absolutely loves, adore this band. The songs love, Black and White or yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah. Joy to the World. You know that song. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Okay, sure. Yeah, That's I mean, I, this band. I was going to say, I'm happy sure... Happy music. He doesn't like happy <laughs> This is the happy music, Lou. <laughs> I, I, it's not that I don't know bands or songs necessarily i just i don't pay attention to them so like i'm sure i know the songs i'm sure i've yeah. heard the song i just it doesn't register with me yeah i think this this group actually had a they had uh 15 or so number one hits yeah wow. just, in the early 70s and you just don't know them one and <laughs> easy to be hard black and white i wish i had video of my stupid sister right now <laughs> she's not stupid but she she she, she really loved she loved our music yeah. yeah much more than i did yes yeah. yes that's it for and that she one. knew knows all the words yeah no i i mean like even when you were like really young you listened i mean i wouldn't even i don't even know if you would classify this as your music but you were like really into the monkeys oh yeah for, that was me oh, and Bryn. Yeah. yeah Bryn and i got very into the monkeys for a really but, like, long time when were you like like that was my middle school. Okay, yeah, middle school. Like middle school. That's why I said you need to do a version of this for middle school. My uh, answer would be certainly can. Yeah, I love the monkeys too. I remember being about twelve or thirteen years old and had their TV show on. And yeah, yeah. I didn't really care about the monkeys. Yeah. So <laughs> did you like them? They were okay. They were just around, right? They were, they were okay. Just, they were yeah. funny. Yeah, I missed. I missed out on that, but I mean, that's okay. I'm fine being the odd person out. I'm okay with that. <laughs> And I will continue being the odd person out. This is my number two. And um, and this is a band that I saw do a 15-year, I think it was 15-year, re, re, not reunion, but 15-year uh, anniversary of this album. I saw them a couple months ago. Uh, and that would be Thursday for uh, Full Collapse. I remember them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember them. And I, so this was, so you took me to my first two concerts. I saw... Um, Corn and Rob Zombie and Corn and Stained, and as we talked about the different kinds of genres, there's also the idea that there's different kinds of performances. There are concerts and there are shows, and this would be my first show. And the only reason you can really like break it down is that shows are just smaller. Okay. Um, more you know you're not going to sell out the Electric Factory in 2002 from this band. Um. But I saw them at the Trocadero in Center City. Oh, a much smaller venue. And they actually played a show with my number one album, that band. And uh, I went with guys that you guys still know, like Ryan. And I went with, I don't know who else went to that show, but I went with Ryan. And, um, yeah, Chris. And um, yeah, this would be considered, I guess you could call it Screamo. We had just talked about this with my last pick. Yeah. You, you have a, an inquisitive look on your face. Do you remember this band? Yeah, I do. Okay. I yeah. do, absolutely. She washed all of your band t-shirts. Well, <laughs> she remembers them. <laughs> and the sweat stains that came with it. Oh, uh, well. Uh, I wish I had a lot of those shirts, still. But yeah, this is. I think I've seen this band more than any other band, actually, yeah. ever. I think you, uh, um, you really followed them. They were everything. Yeah. And I mentioned when we first started talking about how I would 
kind of corner you in the car and be like, oh, you should listen to this song. It's really important. And this was one, not this album, but one of their songs was one of those. And listening back, it's like, ah, it was kind of corny. But Did I even have a CD player in my car? Yes. Yeah. I mean, this, this would have been, this album came out in 2001. Okay. Um, I was talking about when I was driving, which I guess I started driving in 2003. So you're thinking of War All the Time, which yeah. is my favorite Thursday album. Okay. That was I the liked, album that- I liked to like the album after Lois. That yeah, was well, like my favorite. It made album. sense. You were a year after me in school. Yeah. Uh, you know. But yeah, this is still one of my favorite bands. Um, but I saw them a couple months ago, and I, I think I've decided that like I've got my fill. Like I'm done. I don't yeah. need to see them anymore <laughs> necessarily. And they weren't bad, but it was just like you know they still put out records for like ten years after I kind of stopped listening. Well, mm-hmm. like they're not in their twenties anymore either. You know. Well, yeah, aren't we all? Yeah. So anyway, this would be my number two. So mom, what's your number two? Well, my number two actually goes back to um, the dance music, uh, the 77, 78 era uh, was Saturday Night Fever. And again, uh, as with the Tramps, the Bee Gees uh, were the the main group of that album. It was a uh, uh, big uh, hit. Uh, uh, um, You're going to sing, sing into the mic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't make him sing into the mic. Uh, it, it was it was more the movie than the music. Okay. And you can't have one without the other. So it was um, it was great dance music it, for no other reason. I don't even care what the words say, even though they were beautiful. The music was great, but it was the dancing. So for those of us who liked disco and like being out and about, this was the album to have. And uh, and they were great, and they had other uh, many other albums, but they weren't as uh, they weren't favorites to me. Mm-hmm. It, it was this album that yeah that everybody loved. Yeah. Yeah. This this movie when it came out, there was such a buildup for this movie, mm-hmm. and and every every kid in South Philly was just dying for this movie to come out. And then I remember being places where they were just practicing all the dance moves that mm-hmm. were in this movie. Yep, everybody I mean, look, wanted to be let's him. Let's face it, it, it's real, it's real, there was only two things back then, either you liked disco or you hated disco. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and you know, the, the disco scene, and the, I, I did all that too, and it was, it was fun, but the music was great. The music really had a nice, nice rhythm to it, and it, it was... And everybody could dance to it. Yeah. It was happy music. It was happy music. Well, No, no comment, was. no comment from him. Uh, no, not, not a comment. I, I do appreciate the Bee Gees, uh... Because we listened to them so much around the house when we were kids. Because mm. I don't know if it was like, I, I don't know what, Oldies 98, that's what it was. You used to play Oldies 98. Still play it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being out at the pool when we were kids and mm. having like that station on. You you flipped a lot, Dad, between like Michael Jackson kind of radio mm. and, and like Oldies 98. And somewhere in between always fit the Bee Gees. So, you know. Well, they were around a long time. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah Bee Gees, but, Village People, Teddy Pendergrass. It was good <laughs> stuff. But yeah, again, I say I stand by my uh, my thought that if I grew up in like the 70s, disco would not be my thing. Yeah, probably wouldn't be. Yeah, but uh, no. but Just that, that's, like Country Western was never for me. Yeah, I can't get into that either. But, yeah, but you know. I don't discriminate. It, it, grows, <laughs> it, it grows on you, though. No, I, I mean, the Bee Gees are great. I mean, I, I appreciate that for sure. 
Uh, I actually remember the first time I watched Saturday Night Fever in its entirety was on my way to Australia on the airplane. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, so I remember that movie just because I remember when I first saw it. But I love disco music. I think it's, like yeah. Mom and Dad said, it's a lot of fun. I remember every year going across the street to the neighbor's house for a New Year's <laughs> Eve party, and everybody would be dancing specifically to disco music, and it was just always a blast. Right. Um because you can actually dance to it. It does have a good rhythm, and you are able to have, you know, succinct movements with it and things like that. So well, it's you just can fun. partner dance with it. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You guys can have disco. That's fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you have for number two? So my number two album is actually probably my favorite solo artist, and that is Miss Dar Williams. Mm. And the album was The Honesty Room. So the album actually came out in 1993, and I remember my first exposure to this album was through our teen pep teacher, Miss Janice Johnson. Okay. Miss J, and she played this song for us when I was a boy uh, in our introduction to teen pep, which was a peer-to-peer education group that discussed um, human sexuality and homophobia reduction and acceptance and STI education and contraception. So, but we did it with our peers. Like we learned the materials and then we would talk to our peers about it. And this song discussed a little girl and how she used to do things which were indicative of being a little boy wanting to ride her bicycle without her shirt on and things like that. And then later in the song, they discuss a little boy who enjoyed picking flowers when he was little. And for no other reason than he's a child and it's just what they do. And so the song really, you know, spoke to me just about being innocent and, you know, how when you're children, gender doesn't matter. And it was really important for us to really understand that going into this teen pep class. Um, but after I heard the song and I thought that the artist just had a beautiful voice, I went and I bought this album, The Honesty Room, and the album is beautiful. Um, Dar Williams is a folk singer. She does everything pretty much acoustic. And a lot of her songs really spoke to me just over the generations. There's actually a song on this album that was really important to me when I became a single mom. And it was called The How, This Is Not the House That Pain Built. And, she speaks about being a single parent and having her son and, you know, trying to rebuild everything and, you know, how she wasn't going to build a home out of pain. So this album was just really important to me in high school. And then even after high school, I still think it's a beautiful album and all of the songs are just like just they're great classics. So if you're into folk, she's a really cool person to check out. Really emotional there, huh? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting tears on this show at all, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think I've ever listened to Dar Williams, so uh, she's boss. Considering yeah, she's you cool. just you just teared up, I'm gonna have to listen. She actually has a song that our uncles really enjoyed called "The Christians and the Pagans," and it's a song about a pagan girl who goes to a, a holiday dinner with her christian family and just kind of how they talk about acceptance and how you know you pray to this god i pray to that god and again like all of her songs were just always about acceptance and appreciating other people and then she also talked about her own personal life experiences hmm. so she's just a really incredible artist that's cool okay how she's you your equivalent to my yeah there you go girl there you go i'm gonna say how are you gonna follow that up 
I don't know. I got a lame one. Well, actually, <laughs> my my number two is uh, is a band, and again, it touches on what uh, Terry had said earlier about my uh, fondness for harmony and for the actual singing part. And it was a phase of my life when uh, I had Corvette. I was driving around with the top down and going down the shore, and uh, the Beach Boys, the Beach Boys uh, band, great band. Uh, their album "Endless Summer" from 1974. So, which is the year I graduated high school and uh, I have a lot of fond memories being down the shore and, and, and just just the harmony that they had the the, 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 the moving of the music it was, it was it was a it was a great band good album I, I think I had eight tracks then I remember, <laughs> yeah, around, I remember those were the days of the big eight tracks in the car and I had eight track player like I said I had to top off the Corvette and we were down the shore having a good time and just blaring the music and it was a lot of fun a good time what do you say to that one my <laughs> only experience with an eight track was you had one in your headboard oh in my our God. bed yeah. when, in your bed when we were kids yeah. had a radio and an eight track player and I and don't lights. remember the eight track player ever working oh, I'm sure it, it did oh, I don't it remember sure it, it. Um, yeah. I just remember having Isn't like it like carpeted or something. The speakers, the headboard, were in the, the, the speakers yeah. were in the end tables. Yeah. I just remember yeah. having to like we get up mod. in the morning. That was cool. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to listen to the radio in your headboard to see if we had school on like snow yeah. days. Um, yeah. And speaking about eight tracks, not to throw this one in there, but I had a brother who worked at a nightclub in Cherry Hill at the time, and uh, he used to park cars and. Every other day, I'd be getting a whole new box of eight tracks that he would find in a car, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, 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 getting back to the Beach Boys. I mean, I I had a few of their albums. Um, all, all their music is pretty pretty much the same, but it, it's great harmony. And if you ever want to get a chance to see a good movie, you should see the movie about uh, Brian Love, Love and Mercy. Brian Wilson, Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. It just came out a couple of years yeah, ago. Um, he very... he was he suffered from mental illness, um, yeah. and still does. He still alive. still does. Yeah, but uh, went through a terrible uh, episode. You should watch it. it it's yeah. a very good. It's called Love yeah. and Mercy. He had a manager. He, he could. Um, he did all the writing and everything. He was he was a genius. He would put in like things that weren't musical into the recordings to make them like, you know, cowbells and jingle bells and all kinds of things to, to make them more real. Uh, but he couldn't perform and his life took a down spiral. And uh, the story is about his life. It's yeah, pretty cool. And I'll add this to it. Um, the Beach Boys, these guys wrote all their own songs, wrote all their own music. I mean, a lot of times nowadays you see people are covering bands or they're covering the music of other bands. These guys were one of the original pioneers. They they wrote everything. I mean, Brian Wilson was a genius. He he did all he did. He wrote the lyrics and the uh, music for almost all their songs. Yeah, I can't argue with the Beach Boys. I mean, I didn't love a lot of their stuff, but they're especially their like their hits, their classics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really say they're not good. I will say that the song that we played from that album, the only thing I can ever think of is "Look Who's Talking," uh, and this. <laughs> I am nodding in agreement wow. because I remember that in the opening scene where you watch the sperm make its way to the egg. Ooh. And that's how you get around. You don't talk in front of your parents like that. What's the matter with you? Hey, one of those sounded like Bruce Willis. It's fine. Um, yeah. No, I mean, th- I think that's great. Um, not to that. mention all the summers we had parties around the pool in the backyard and I would 
That's I what I remember. Smother you guys with some Beach Boys music, sure. but it was summer music. It was, it was it was it was happy music. It was Beach Boys. It was Queen. It was Michael Jackson. Yeah, Queen. Yeah. Uh, those Queen. were the like. There are certain songs where like I'll Phil hear them. Collins. I mean, any there are just certain songs. Mention. I I hear these songs <laughs> and I picture being like I don't know seven yeah. and like staring across the, like the area in the backyard and like seeing like the shitty old boombox like on the concrete oh, yeah. and just like. I just get like a weird like transport back to like I don't know ninety two. Yeah, imagine um, how we feel. Well, yeah, it happens. <laughs> I was old in ninety two. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, it's time for my number one, mm-hmm. and um, I will say that this is a band that I, even though I consider this my top album from high school. It's a band that I don't really care too much about anymore because they fell off pretty harshly with their music. Um, I don't know, maybe like 2000. No, my sister just wrote a name down on a piece of paper and asked me. Uh, no, it's not them. But uh, yeah, I just stopped caring about the music they were writing after a certain period of time. But there are like three records, four records in a row um, that I just really, really loved. And the one that I love the most is called Through Being Cool. And it came out in 1999. It's by a band called Saves the Day. Oh, Saves the Day. I remember that all the time. I remember that. Um, Played them a lot. So I mentioned that I saw the last band I mentioned was Thursday. They were on tour for their full Collapse album. And they were on tour with this band, Saves the Day. Uh, It was 2002. And um, it was the first time I'd been to like a smaller show. It wasn't like a corn concert in a huge arena. And uh, yeah, this record. Oh, I remember the song. Sure, I probably played it all the damn yeah, time. <laughs> um, they would be considered pop punk or post hardcore, probably post uh, pop punk. And uh, they were another New Jersey band, as, as was Thursday. And um, but you have too many options for genres. That's just, <laughs> you come up with a new. No, option. I I do. Oh, I do agree with you though. I think it's it gets um, kind of confusing. Post punk, pop, emo. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I do consider them pop punk, and uh, they were just a fun band. Um, you know, you know, you're, you don't discriminate like you just said, Lauren. But she's been bopping her head all day to. Saves I think the day. I like everything that I've heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, this album, uh, Through Being Cool, just uh, pretty great. I don't know what else to say about it really, but uh, I played it all the time. I wore out a CD. Um, and uh, which was kind of hard to do. Like, I didn't scratch it up. I just wore it kind of out. Um, and uh, yeah, I. But like I said, I stopped listening to them after a while. But this album very easily is my number one album from high school. And that's great. Okay. All right, mom. What you got? Well, I, I'm gonna. This have is to, an easy one. This is an easy one, and anybody who knows me knows who I love. Barbara Streisand. Lauren got it. <laughs> Yeah, I, was... I have loved Barbra Streisand since I was about six years old, and um, I've never waned. No. Uh, in that year, she came out with uh, A Star is Born. It was a remake of an old movie with Chris Christopherson. It wasn't in that year. It was in that time frame, but it was an album that I adored. She, It was a hit for months and months and months. She writes all her music, and n- nothing can replace a beautiful voice. I mean, she could sing Happy Birthday. It's a beautiful voice. And it's an instrument you can't buy or whatever. And I've always loved everything she's ever done. And I I took a lot of heat 
lot of heat from my brothers who were very big into like rock, <laughs> rock. and stuff and they always teased me about it and I don't care I stood my ground and I, I loved her then I love her now um, and um, she's just my absolute favorite I will add to it in, in our 37 years of being together I listened to you sing her songs many times and you had just as beautiful a voice uh, no I didn't oh, no. let me tell you let me tell you, that's I, adorable. Yes, yeah. you did. You you could have you could have covered Barbara anytime no. you wanted. <laughs> she's she's just great. She's phenomenal. But that's it. Have you ever seen her live? Never. She's too expensive. Oh yeah, I tried. <laughs> there were there were times over the years, and I looked into pricing, and it's just you didn't sh- want to take out another mortgage on the house no, to go to well, like a student loan. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, she now she only does like benefit concerts, and she mm-hmm. raises money and stuff, but. Um, no, and she doesn't like to perform live. Uh, she doesn't do it. it. It's not an easy thing for her to do. And I'm happy with the record. It doesn't matter. She's also a pretty funny actress. Oh, like, I've great. always really enjoyed her movies as well. Funny she's just girl. a very animated person. Well, and she's when you, very entertaining. You gave me three movies of hers. Hell, yeah. Funny Girl, Funny Lady, and Hello, Dolly. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't put anybody above her. She's my number one. I mean, that makes sense because despite the fact that this was a list about high school music, um, I know you've listened to her your entire life and uh, I know you still do. So it's kind of hard to get rid of a, you know, your, would you say she's your favorite musician? Yes, ever? vocalist. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just phenomenal. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Okay, Laura. What you, you got? What you got? Okay, so uh, my number one band from high school, and I just remember this band being some a band that I played a lot and I saw multiple times in concert was Coheed and Cambria, and the album was the Second Stage Turbine Blame. <laughs> I remember the name of the band. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so this band is another one of like our. Post hardcore emo rock bands, I guess. Throw all Um, those genres out there. (laughs) These guys were another kind of pioneer band of the emo movement, I think. Wait. What? (laughs) Um, I I know those lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I remember this band um, being one of the first hardcore, like, emo bands that I got into. I saw them actually play with Glassjaw. Mm-hmm. Um, once and uh, I loved them. They were they were such an amazing band. And I also remember seeing them at a Warped tour, and I got a chance to meet the band. And this was when we had first gotten cell phones, and I had like an old Nokia brick. Yeah. And I remember calling my best friend Ashley Malin <laughs> and having the lead singer Claudio talk to Ashley on the phone. I was like, "You just have to talk to my friend, dude." So uh, he said hi, and they talked for a minute, and then he handed the phone back to me, and Ashley was like losing her shit on the other side and it was just really cool um but yes another good memory i have of this band was when i went to australia and new zealand and i remember taking a seven and a half hour train ride from auckland new zealand to christchurch new zealand and i literally listened to this album on repeat pretty much the whole train ride yeah that's a lot it's a lot of time to listen to one it's a lot of time but I loved this band. Um, you know, the lead singer has a very unique, semi-high-pitched voice, which was interesting to kind of mix that with, like, the screamo genre as well. But I don't know. It just always kind of worked for me, and I loved it. I will say that this was uh, an honorable mention of mine, this record. Uh, I did play this a lot as well. 
Uh, also worth noting, uh, one of my best friends, Chris, named a dog after Claudio. Yeah, nice. <laughs> he had one eye. He had a, it was a one-eyed Pomeranian uh, named Claudio, and we used to have band practice in his bedroom, and Claudio would cower behind my drums. So. <laughs> oh, poor baby. But yeah, uh, again, another band that kind of changed how I thought about how music could be written. They did a lot of concept <laughs> albums, and uh, they've become like a big like arena rock kind of band not arena rock that's the wrong description but like much a much bigger sound than like this like techie yeah their albums after this particular album were a little bit different a little bit more poppier sounding their lyrics never really made tons of sense to me um to be honest they're they're i don't know how you would describe it though they reminded me a lot of bands like at the drive-in um and like the Mars Volta, like I always kind of lumped those guys together. Um, and I thought that they were all kind of influential of one another. And I don't really know how to describe the lyrics. I don't know how to describe it either. So. Yeah, man. You kind of just got to listen to it and be like, what are they talking about? Whatever. Yeah. The music's catchy. Like, uh, from what works. I remember, coming in Cambria, the singer was writing a comic book and his lyrics were in some way related to the story of the comic. I don't remember how truthful that is. I just remember hearing it, but that's what the internet's for. Look that up. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Dad, last one. What's your well, number one album from high school? Of course, I'm going to make things a little complicated. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, I said earlier, I grew up in a household where uh, my mother listened to the crooners, as my wife calls them, the Frank Sinatra's, Dean Martin's of the world. And my father was just as bad. He uh, His favorite album of all time was... Uh, Love songs Italian style. So, you know, you're talking about a very Italian household, greaseballs, as we like to call ourselves. And uh, there was a transition. Um, my mother was not much into uh, soul or rhythm and, and blues, you know, soul music or rhythm and blues. And she really didn't want me to have any records or any songs. She never played them on the radio. But, you know, being the little young rebel troublemaker I was maybe at the time, uh, I fell in love with a band um, we we grew up in Cherry Hill, and uh, there was a place called the Latin Casino, which transitioned into a club called Emerald City, and right now it's some Toyota corporate office. But the Latin Casino was it was the nightclub of the area. It was the, all the uh, the big hits, all the big stars, movie stars would come to the Latin Casino because Atlantic City was was nothing then, and there's not you either have to go to New York or you'd come to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and go to the Latin Casino. So if you wanted to see Frank Sinatra or whomever, you'd go there. So my father was very friendly with the um, Mater D there, and we'd go every Monday night. We went every Monday night for years, and we'd go to an early show so I could still go to school the next day. But there was a band that came in there, and I saw them first there, and they were called the Spinners. Um, there were four black guys, or five, depending upon when, when you saw them, that just had a nice, mellow sound. And when I say about being complicated with my favorite band and my favorite album, it was kind of like a, a new genre for me that I got into. I got into rhythm and blues. I got into soul music. I mean, Michael Jackson was just coming out. He was a 10-year-old kid. Uh, there was Stevie Wonder. There was the OJs. There was the Temptations. You know, it was that, that rhythm, and, rhythm and soul. And I just started really enjoying that kind of music and the spinners were my favorite band at the time and, and i had albums and eight tracks and i played them to death because i again i just love that mellow harmonizing you know man singing it was just 
and they were they were my band. But, you know, Michael Jackson. You know, these are my honorable mentions. Michael Jackson, obviously, in the Jackson Five and the Temptations. Stevie Wonder, who had some very influential songs and music. And uh, the OJs, they were a local Philadelphia band, and, and that's basically it. You know, I, I, I think I enjoyed that more, but I think I also kind of rebelled against my parents, and that's why I made it a little complicated. But, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like what you guys do against me, against my happy music. <laughs> and our post, post-hardcore emo and, rock. And, 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 emo. Now, let's not forget, I didn't, we, I didn't have earphones. So, when, you know, by like 1973 or 74, I had a record player in my room. I would play the shit out of that song, and and, <laughs> and his mother pl- would scream. My mother would get so mad at me, and she would come upstairs, and I, of course I didn't do it when my father was home because I'd get my ass kicked. But the bottom <laughs> line was, you know, it was it was the music, not even so much the the, um, the, the one particular album or or the band. It was just the, the different music that I really fell in love with, and I still to this day like good rhythm and blues and good soul music, not so much hip-hop or screaming but you know <laughs> which i both love but uh yeah, that's your era uh yeah uh it, it makes sense though i mean like i feel like especially in that <clears throat> era not era in that like time frame of like middle school to high school you are asserting who you are as a person or at least figuring yeah. out who you are as a person and what often comes with that is rebelling against your parents and i don't I mean, yeah, there were times where, like, we were both in that rebellion mode or that uh, being at odds with, like, our parents. But, um, yeah, I guess that's a, an easy way to do it is with uh, music because there is usually uh, not a shared interest in the genera- the two different generations. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I did it with uh, with Korn and Marilyn Manson and and Thursday and, uh, and you did it with the Spinners and... Yeah. And, and and the temptations, like I said, and Stevie Wonder, who my mother hated them all, and yet I'd play the heck out of them. Finally, I got I got banished to the basement. <laughs> Everything I had up in my bedroom, I had to take downstairs. We had a big basement, and it was kind of, you know, I had to keep the music down. But uh, yeah, that was it for me. That was uh, yeah. And I I want to thank you, Lou, for this this podcast. It was it was great. It was educational for me. Yeah, I mean I. Wanted to do this for a while, and like I said earlier, uh, you know, Dave from Neozaz does a lot of shows with his son Jack. You know, uh, he has a 15-year-old son, and they have a special series. I mentioned it to you guys earlier um, on Neozaz, and they call it Jack Don't Know Jack. And it's uh, you probably don't know about this, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, Dave poses to his son um, movie quotes he should know, or comedians uh, like like comedian jokes he should know. Or, or movie themes or songs or whatever. And their bet is usually if Jack gets X out of whatever the number is, if he, if he achieves the goal, he gets 20 bucks. And if he doesn't, he has to give Dave 20 push-ups. So that's their ongoing thing. They do a lot of shows together. And I love the, uh, the interaction between father and son. And that's why I wanted to do it with the yeah. three of you for a while and and uh you didn't let me down this was fun because you know how eclectic we are wait so do i get twenty dollars no <laughs> oh. no no you get to do 20 push-ups you, no you brought me pizza that that's the that's the exchange i did bring the pizza um so anyone have any honorable mentions they want to mention i mean i have I, mom I you had a couple so i have a couple i have a couple that uh, didn't make the in- initial cut but um elton john uh just sort of coming up when I was, you know, a younger person. And uh, again, referring to my brothers, uh, I, I listened to a lot of what they listened to, 
which was uh, Genesis and Yes and uh, Phil Collins. And another kick to my female vocalists, I loved Bette Midler. So, you know, very uh, diverse, uh, a big spread between genres, but they are my honorable mentions. Okay, awesome. So I didn't know we were allowed to have honorable mentions, <laughs> so I came up with three really quick. Um, my music taste, as I'm sure everybody can figure out, is pretty diverse. I literally listen to a little bit of everything, and I listen to a lot of some things. Um, in high school, I definitely listened to a lot of like that emo punk rock kind of sound. So my top five bands were the Cranberries, Death Cab for Cutie, Incubus, Dar Williams, who's a folk singer, and then Coheed and Cambria. My honorable mentions are The Living End, who are like, I think they're from Australia. And uh, their album, Roll On, which was kind of like a happy poppy punk kind of album um but they discussed a lot of political themes within mm-hmm. their music so i had an appreciation for them uh the used mm-hmm. and their self-titled album um i remember going to see the used live and the lead singer bert actually kept like a bucket on the side of the stage because he would scream so intensely that he would vomit yeah and so he would be like screaming and then he would kind of like go off to the side puke in a bucket and come right back to the stage and it was just like that was interesting. He did that really classy, though. Um, and I think, actually, at the time that we went to see them live, he was dating Kelly Osborne, And so. she was there at the show. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then my final honorable mention is Finch, uh, which is another oh, yeah. band okay. yeah. uh, that was really uh, me and, again, my best friend in high school, Ashley Malin. She and I listened to that band a lot and their album, What It Is to Burn. Uh, and that was a really popular, like, poppy punk emo-y kind of band that we were into in high school. Yeah, I mean, I could add The Used and Finch as well. They would be further down on my list, but I definitely listen to those records a lot. Um, so yeah, that, that's good. Uh, Dad, do you have any other ones you throw in? Just a couple I would throw in. Um, being, you know, the high school years kind of limit you to four years, and, and I grew up in the 70s. The later years of the 70s, there were a couple bands I really liked, if that counts. I mean... Terry had mentioned the Bee Gees. I love them, too. That, that There was a time when they were one of my favorite bands. But I'm a big Eagles fan, the Eagles. I've mm-hmm. always been, you know, I, I love Hotel California. It's always been, to me, one of the you know best albums and best songs of all time. And believe it or not, the only other honorable mention I'm going to have is Elvis. Okay. Because let me tell you what, I, I know Mom doesn't like him, and I, I don't listen to him <laughs> as much as I used to. That. But I, we were we were just recently in at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, just last week, as a matter of fact, and uh, it was really really an interesting day. We saw a lot of good stuff. We learned a lot of things, and there was a little exhibit on Elvis. If we had a little more time, I would have probably sat there and watched the the, the whole movie. Yeah. It was it was pretty interesting, and you know what? He he was another pioneer and uh, just a guy who set the table for everybody. I will say that I me- I've mentioned Dave a couple times. Dave is a huge Elvis fan, so he would appreciate hearing that. Yeah. Uh, I don't get the Elvis thing, but that's fine. So I would like to kind of consider Elvis almost the same, n- not in sound, but just in essence as the Croners that Daddy's talked about before, like the Frank Sinatras and the Dean Martins. But he was more of like a Croner for the rock scene. I mean, he has his classics like... Um, 
you ain't nothing but a hound dog and stuff like Love Me Tender. Jailhouse Rock. Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. There's so, like ma- there's so many. All of the songs that are just kind of classic. But what I also kind of liked about Elvis was he always had a little bit of like a twangy country sound to him as yeah, well. Like rockabilly. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just kind of a really interesting fusion of sounds for the time. Well, because everything was open for the taking, I guess. You know, you could do it just about anything and hope that it stuck or hope that you got a an audience. I don't know. But I, I can actually say that one of the first songs I learned all of the lyrics to was Hotel California from the Eagles. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I was like four or five years old. <laughs> and I remember asking my dad what Calictus was because I was like, what's that mean? And you know what I mean? Just to try to figure out the lyrics. I remember one time, real quick. We were in my car, and Lewis was in a car with me. He was young. I don't remember how old. And <clears throat> right when they go into the the guitar solo at Hotel California, I turned the volume way up in the car. <laughs> Every time. And he started screaming and crying. <laughs> he was covering his ears. That was great stuff. So that's why he doesn't like me anymore. But <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. But I will say also related to Hotel California that when I was like, 12 or 13 i wanted to play drums and you said i could do it on two conditions one um i would take drum lessons and two i would learn how to play hotel california for you and sort of teach you how to do it still waiting (laughs) with those drums that are packed up under the stairs hey they they're collecting dust right now but um yeah i remember at one point you like hopped on my drum kit and like you play. knew the drums, yeah, but, but you just didn't know how to physically I can't play. play it well, but you you knew it. And, oh, um, I know the song. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot of memories of, uh, of listening to that song as well. Uh, so yeah, that's about it, guys. I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, we've been waiting to do this for a couple months, but I'm glad we finally got together. Um, any last things you want to add about music from high school years? Or? No pretty good but thanks I for thought, letting us do this i thought you would have stained as one of your honorable mentions you know they were more of a middle school thing okay um good band so I, I corn and middle school oh, excuse me corn and stained were more middle school for me yeah yeah so when i and, thought high school it was more like these bands. and that's kind of where i was too but if i if we were to do like a middle school thing i'd probably throw them on as well because i was really into them in like seventh or eighth grade okay um, but yeah, all right. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, uh, feel free to comment on the Neo's Facebook page about any of your own lists about what you listened to in high school. And if you do that, please include your year so we can kind of see where they line up. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. You can check out all the Neo's shows at neozaz.com. And uh, we're on iTunes and everyone else. But um, yeah, thanks. And thanks for joining me, guys. Thank, I, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Right. See you later. Bye. Bye.